The following is a presentation of ComedyVoices.com. This week on the Mandatory Samson Podcast, we're doing full Democratic debate coverage. Plus, we got some updates about Sandra Bland, Cybersecurity Act of 2015. What else, Joey? And a Merry Christmas. Great. You need something to get you through the workday? Well, good. Because we've got a place for that. Check out ComedyVoices.com for the comedy podcasts that'll turn your daily grind into a marathon of laughs. Stand Up Labs and UCB Comedy lead the way. With an array of shows that'll fill all your comedy needs. It's ComedyVoices.com, powered by digital media. Coming to you from the top of the Stand Up New York Comedy Club, this is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by ComedyVoices.com. Find your voice. This is the mandatory Samson podcast coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Welcome everyone to the program. If you're listening on the day this comes out, Merry Christmas. I hope you're all enjoying the day, and if not, I certainly hope you enjoy the next hour or so with the two of us. The two of us are Chris Flannery and the great and powerful Joseph Noe. Well, thank you. That's a nice intro. It's a rousing introduction. Uh, Shelbarific, producing the program. How you doing over there, Shelves? Doing good. Doing good. That's great. I'm really glad to hear it. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the program. We have a nice show lined up here today. Uh, we have a recap of the Democratic debate that took place over the weekend. Before that... A couple of quick hits about GOP voters and Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Although, actually, mm. now that I'm looking at my notes, I think I cut that out of the uh, the rundown. But whatever. Unprofessional. Plus, we got something about the Cybersecurity Act of 2015 that passed last Friday and a Sandra Bland update, which we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, Joey, do you have a fuck up of the week this week? I do, but it's not the best one ever. Let's cut it from the program. How's Done. that sound? Uh Couple of quick things at the beginning. I have a, a correction from last week, a shout out, and I just want to mention that I got engaged last Thursday right after the program. Oh, congratulations. Ah, thank you very much. Yes. My lovely bride to be, Molly. We got engaged. I just went home right after the show. It was very difficult for me not to even mention it on the show last week, but I was like, on the off chance she's listening live while we do this. You did good, kid. Thanks. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Let me tell you this. I got a snap from, uh, oh, Jesus, from Sam on, on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. He always has this dual monitor set up. He's watching the program on YouTube while he's like designing like knee replacements and stuff. It's crazy. Oh, nice. It's like this guy's probably smarter than we are, but he still enjoys the program. So I really appreciate it. I also got an email today from Kimberly. Kimberly, hello, if you're listening. Uh, I'm not going to read it this week. It's going to be on next week's program. I encourage all the Samsonites, write some emails. If we get some good ones, we'll read it on the show. Because again, it's like an end of the year type of thing. You're doing an end of year wrap up. Year in review. Yeah, it's going to, so it'll be a little bit less political unless something major happens. Maybe we'll do some more like pop culture stuff. We'll answer some questions. That whole deal. Uh, Here's the correction from last week. You ready for this? Yes. So I kept saying Bill Ayers. uh, Excuse me. We were talking about Saul Alinsky and I explained that he was part of the weather underground and all that stuff. I knew that wasn't right as I was saying it. It's Bill Ayers was part of the Weather Underground. Saul Alinsky 
also went to the University of Chicago. He's the father of community organizing, and he wrote the book Rules for Radicals. So they always try to tie him, uh, Bill Ayers, and Obama up in the same package. Package. Gotcha. Different people earlier time but kind of like the same in the same vein you know okay so then i just wanted to make a correction there because i don't want to say that saul linsky was part of the weather underground it's simply not true now would you like to get into the program you got anything you want to say to anybody joey i mean it's christmas day that people are listening to this merry christmas everyone <laughs> and he really means it uh let's get into the sandra bland thing before again we're gonna get into the democratic debate recap i really don't know how long that is i, re- I did my like classic notes that i okay. normally do um, the Democratic debates are totally different than the Republican debates because there's real debate about stuff. Yes. But also, there's only three of them. There's really only two of them, if you want to be realistic. Um, there's not too much new stuff coming out of it. So I tried to like find the, the most pertinent stuff, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Before we get to that, let's do a little update about Sandra Bland. Grand jury has decided that no felony crime is committed by the sheriff's office or jailers in Waller County, Texas, uh, stemming from the incident that took place last summer when 28-year-old Sandra Bland was found dead in her jail cell. Charges could still come against the trooper, Brian Insignia, who manhandled and arrested Bland after a routine traffic stop. I would like to know how a grand jury uh, you know, talks for 11 hours and comes to this conclusion. I, I mean... Here's what I'm going to say about it. We, we watched the video. We've talked about it extensively on the show. I mean, we broke down the video that clearly, yes. in our opinions, Brian Insignia escalated the situation in a way that was unnecessary and unprofessional and whatever other word you want to call it, that l- pr- proceeded and led to her going to prison. So she should never have been in jail to begin with, which then obviously she wouldn't be dead. Okay, those, that's, but, but being at the jail is a separate thing than what led up to her going to jail. He is clearly, in my opinion, guilty of whatever they're going to charge him with, misconduct, whatever. When she gets to the jail, though, it's murky because we've looked at it. To me, it doesn't seem like there's any evidence that they killed her, Mm -hmm. which was speculated. Negligence, maybe, because she does manage to commit suicide, which to me, it seems like what what happened. There's no... You know, there's nothing to say that she didn't do that. The negligence on their part is probably what they could have been guilty of. But at the same time, I guess I can understand that there's not a ton of evidence of that. So, you know, what are they really going to do? It's tragic. Again, she should never have been in jail to begin with and in a position where she got depressed and, and, and killed herself and whatever, felt hopeless. Let's see what happens with the the cop. Obviously, I think he's much more to blame, you know, for the whole thing than anyone but yeah, again, I mean, it is it is a sad thing that she doesn't. Um, it doesn't seem like justice is going to be done for no, her. No, not at all. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much more to say about that. We'll just keep our eye on it. I think the grand jury reconvenes January thirteenth. I want to say okay. Um, so we'll keep our eye on that and see if charges come against the cop. If I had to guess, they won't. Yeah, they're not going to charge him with anything, right? Which that that again, then that becomes. What, what are we doing? What are we dealing with? And why is it always these grand jury situations? Why can't they just, I know it's a high uh, pressure case or whatever, high, high intention paid to it, but why can't they just go through a traditional, and I don't know, maybe that maybe this is the traditional way that, that a lot of places go through, we just don't hear about it, but it seems like even with in Ferguson and whatever, they, they take these weird measures 
as opposed to just going through the regular process. You know, yeah. I just don't understand why that's happening. Um, any thoughts about that, Joey? Or it's just a shame. Yeah, I mean, right before Christmas, her family, I'm sure, is is devastated. Not, yeah. yeah, they're devastated by this thing. We'll keep our eye on it, but sad. Hopefully, the cop, because again, I think he's the most um, to blame. Know, yeah, he's the most to blame, most at fault here. So we'll just we'll we'll keep our eye on that. Cybersecurity Act of 2015. Now, this is an interesting one. This is something that I've kind of had my eye on for a while. Uh, originally, it was called CISA, C-I-S-A, and it, whatever, Cyber Intelligence something, as Security Act or whatever, uh, that was being bandied about in the House and the Senate. And it didn't pass because a lot of people uh, from both sides of the aisle were like, mm, this, this is... Some, no. There seems to be something wrong with it. There seems to be something amiss. Correct. Now, it gets repackaged as something called the Cybersecurity Act of 2015. And I have you know a bunch of information here, some quotes and mm-hmm. things like that that we can get into. Uh, it gets repackaged. Let me read you this, and you tell me if this is how democracy should work uh, or whether this is probably sort of outside the bounds of what people assume should be the case. Last Friday, Congress passed the government spending omni- omnibus package, which essentially funds the government, preventing a shutdown. So okay, they have to pass it. If they don't pass it, the government shuts down. They're in recess for two weeks or, or whatever for the holidays. So things would just be a mess when they got back. So they obviously have to. And that's what all this posturing about, oh, we're going to shut down the government on Planned Parenthood. No, you're not. Because you have to fund the government and you know you have to fund the government. It's just absurd. So they have to pass this thing. Definitely. Shoved into the bill was a new version of the CISA thing that I was just talking about called the Cybersecurity Act of 2015, which sounds innocuous, but it's a way for private companies to share cyber threat related user data with the government while simultaneously allowing the government to use that information for any purpose with virtually no privacy protections. I think it's a nifty trick. You know, it might be, Joey. Congress, catch this. Congress didn't get the text of the bill till a day before the must-pass omnibus vote, assuring that they would pass it and assuring essentially that none of them were going to fucking read that thing or have any idea what was what was involved in it. This sounds like something else, doesn't it? Yes, it harkens back. Joey, you've been you've been perfect the last couple of weeks. You're well, really on you. top of stuff. It harkens back to the Patriot Act, both in terms of consequences and sneakiness. And, yes, and the manner of passage. Exactly. Nobody really knows what's in it. They're just told, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, you know, even though they knew that the CISA thing was not good, this, do you think that the Congress people are really paying attention a day before they go on, on vacation? Probably not, not. They're not paying attention at all. But here's my question for you. Please. Out of the 113 that voted no to the bill. Right. It was a what? Three something. 316. 316, yeah. Out of the 113 who voted no, how many do you think voted no because of the Cybersecurity Act of 2015? Oh, probably uh, two, two of them, right? Just two that had the time to read that. Yeah. Oh, is that actually the answer? Is no, it no, actually no, two? no. Oh, just, no. Just, yeah, no, of but course. But probably we, is. Right, because a lot of them are probably just, just uh, you know, making a symbolic vote against spending too much money or whatever. They don't give a shit about your data and your privacy. Now, again, this all comes on the heel of, of repealing a lot of the stuff when they passed the USA Freedom Act as opposed to the Patriot Act, repealing the different stuff that Snowden um, told us about the mass collection of metadata. This is pretty much a workaround of that. Like this just kind of enshrines it in a different way, but your data is still readily available. And in some ways, probably more so now than it was before. But what I love is how is that going to stop cybersecurity? Well, like terrorism or different cyber attacks. It's not that that's the thing. It's never, 
we pretend and we hear a lot in the GOP debates about the fact that like the tools, you know, get the lawyers off the back of our war fighters, that type mm. of shit. The tools are being taken out of their tool chest. No, it's not. They have the same amount of tools, possibly more now than ever before. And it still doesn't seem to work. They're acting as though it's because of Obama or it's because of Congress that they don't have the ability to catch terrorists and find out what they're up to. It's not true. It's just because they have too much information and or they're not paying attention to the correct amount of information they actually do have. They're using it to spy on everyone. And it's maybe not even that nefarious, but down the road, the longer this stays in place, like we've read uh, in The Intercept about the drone papers and all this mm-hmm. stuff, people just become numbers. They don't actually stay people. So you have these kind of like shadowy figures in a back office reading your emails and looking through your data, and it's not really Joey anymore. It's, uh, you know, X327, and that's whatever. Oh, look, he did this today. He- He's been pretty busy. Do you have been? Uh, 32X. I think I said X327. Yeah, X327. You're, you're such a sweet boy. Uh, you want to hear some more information about this thing? Yes, I do. Because some of the quotes really illuminate it. Like, obviously, uh, you know, we're explaining it uh, in one way, but th- these quotes really, you know, fill in the gaps yes. here. This is from an article from The Intercept, and then I have two quotes. The bill removes a restriction on direct information sharing with the National Security Agency and the Pentagon and eliminates a restriction on the government's use of that information for surveillance activities. It also allows law law enforcement to use the information to prosecute any and all crimes and leaves it up to the individual agencies to scrub personally identifying information when they feel like it. Oh, so I can be charged at any time. Correct. Ooh, that sounds like fun. And you specifically. They, they can look at your information and go, mm, this guy had some kind of weird contact with the, Sh- you know, the Chattanooga shooter or the San Bernardino bombers, whatever. And they can choose to keep your name involved in that or not, but you think they're really going to take caution and be like, well, we don't want to violate anyone's privacy not while we're systematically violating everyone's privacy, you know? Uh, not great. So now I have a couple of quotes here from this guy. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's a woman, Evan Greer. I, I, I'm not sure, though, because the, the article wasn't clear about it. She is, or he is, the campaign director for Fight for the Future, a digital rights advocacy group. If someone hacks a health insurance company, this is how it's being explained. Okay. If someone hacks a health insurance company like Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they get scared and hand over all the medical records that were exposed in the hack, the NSA could share those records with the DEA who could then use them in ongoing investigations that have nothing to do with the cybersecurity or terrorism. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, that seems like that's going to be a problem. Of course, and that, that is the problem because it's warrantless. They, they're, they're, they have access to the information. If it is being handed over to them, which you know it's going to be, um, that's the fear, right? Where people go, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not a terrorist. Yeah, but you probably did something along the way, and if they're tracking everything... That's a lot of tracks. Yeah, it could become a problem down the road. One time you did something, you didn't even realize you did it. You know, it, there's any any number of things. You downloaded something, you shouldn't have downloaded, whatever, you know. They can be on top of you for that. Continues. CISA is the new Patriot Act, and obviously it's called the Cybersecurity Act of 2015. It's a bill that was born out of a climate of fear, what are we always talking about, mm-hmm. and passed quickly and quietly using a broken and non- non-transparent process. Most members of Congress still don't understand what it will actually do, which is to dramatically expand the U.S. government's unpopular and ineffective surveillance programs and make all of us more, more, bleh, more vulnerable to cyber attacks by, telling corporation, by taking corporations off the hook instead of holding them accountable when they fail to protect their customers' sensitive information. 
Right. And that's the other, the other aspect of this. If Target, Target had that huge data breach, if they're like, you know what, we can't figure this out, here's everything, uh, and, you know, NSA. Now they know everything that I ever bought from Target. Right. And what if, what if, what if you bought stuff, three items that just seem like maybe you were going to make a bomb with it? Like, what if you bought topsoil, a fucking shovel, and some wires? Does not look too good. Right. But it, it's, you know, who knows what you're doing with it. You could, it's obviously just something that is uh, innocent, but that, be, that becomes uh, the problem. Yes. Isn't that fascinating? It's amazing. I wish that we could pass a bill or have an amendment or something to, provide, to prevent people like Paul Ryan from sneaking provisions in like this. Yeah. Well, and again, he, yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of over the barrel with it because people wanted it to pass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he understands how the process works. So if it's not going to pass, he's got to find a sneaky way to do it. But, right, why can't he just come out and say, no, we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going to force this problem on the American people. Part of the reason is that most people in both parties don't give a shit. They think it's fine because they're not really paying attention to it. They don't think it's a big deal. And the way that all this stuff, ISIS, we talked about it during mm-hmm. the debates, all of it's being stoked in the media constantly. And by the way, the ABC debate that we're going to get into, the, the, the moderator's questions, gross. I mean, just some of the ways they phrase things, some of the uh, like some of the questions they ask are just assuming a lot of stuff that's not necessarily true, but, but, but they're it just... It sounds good. But they're just saying it as a truth, so then it just becomes that type of thing out in the media. Yeah, it's really frustrating. They're complicit in all this, and, and that feeds into the idea of like, got to keep everybody safe isis is a huge problem. are they really though what didn't we know about the san bernardino we knew we were people were tracking them we're not yeah. you know we we didn't need any more information about them uh, i i'm just glad to know that they're gonna have everything they need on me mm-hmm. when i'm not causing an issue right and i'm obviously not doing anything yeah but well, it's important for them to have my information but nobody else's well, they have mine oh, too, Joe. Don't yeah. feel bad. Yes. <laughs> or they won't have the correct information that they need to even prevent the cyber attack from happening. Well, how much information this again, now this this bet raises a bigger question. How much information do they really need? This is again, we always talk about Snowden said it correctly. The bigger the haystack, the harder it is to find the needle. How much information do they need? If they're trying to track all information, inevitably you're going to lose some of that stuff and ter- you not lose it literally lose it but like you're not going to be able to cut through it and find the information that you're looking for because you don't know what you're looking for you have to be able to target specific people which again raises a lot of questions but i'm just saying to be collecting all of our data it, it creates a much more difficult circumstance for them to be able to find people who actually are a problem and don't get me wrong of course there are people who are actually problems how many people are there out there like that? You know, because you always hear conflicting numbers. How many? How many active investigations? Even if there's a thousand investigations of people trying to plot against us, is that a lot? Out of 300 million people in the United States, billions of people globally, a thousand? Is that really? Is that worth giving up all of our freedoms, spending trillions of dollars? Like what? It's a thousand too many, but there's got to be a more manageable, manageable way to keep track of them right. and not restrict so many freedoms. Yeah, of course. Well, and the, here's the, here's the tricky thing about it. They're not really restricting your freedom. They're just cracking down on privacy. N- you don't really feel anything with this. They could, they could make, they could make this way more prevalent. 
You're, it's never really going to affect you until the day it affects you. So it's a silent threat that's yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, it doesn't affect you until the DEA comes to your doorstep. No, of, of course, absolutely. But, it, but my point is the DEA is not following you around every day. It's, yeah. it's, it's an out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of thing, which is why it's easy for them to keep this stuff going. The important thing is to talk about it and have people like Edward Snowden come out and tell you this is happening. Let's not demonize people like that. Let's let's really counter that kind of narrative that's out there in the media and in right wing circles and to an extent in left wing circles that that guy's some kind of traitor. He's not a traitor. He's a patriot and he's doing exactly what you'd want him to do and exactly what everybody would think that they would do ideally in that circumstance. Yes. You know what I mean? Everybody fancies themselves a hero until they're actually faced with the circumstance where they're like, wow, I might have to move to Russia <laughs> if I do this and, you know, face extradition and all this stuff for the rest of my life, but it's the right thing to do. So I'm going to do it. That's a bold, brave move that I think people think they would do. But you know, when somebody else does, you're like, Nope. nope he's a, he's a tra- okay, great. Uh, all right. I got one more thing before we'll get into the democratic debate recap. Sound good? Yes. The GOP and Agraba. I don't know if you heard about this, but this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, probably of the year. It really Mm -hmm. amuses me. According to a report released by public policy polling, 30% of Republican primary voters would support bombing Agrabah, the fictional kingdom from the Disney Disney animated classic Aladdin. I'm shocked it's not higher. It should be 100%. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I am am kind of surprised, actually. You're right. (laughs) If it's a fictional city, let's blow the shit out of it. 532 Republican primary voters were polled. 57% said they weren't sure, which is good that the majority, you know, more than half said they weren't sure. But it's also bad because it's like, why wouldn't you just say, I don't know what that city is? So no. Correct. Right? Like, yes. I don't know what it is. 30% said yes. Only 13% said no. It's pretty low. It is a low number. On the flip side, 19% of Democrats said yes. 36% said no. And then the rest were, were not sure about the situation. Can't be blowing up fictional cities. You really can't be blowing up just every city generally, even though it sounds great, I guess, when, when you're up there talking, car, we're going to carpet bomb them and see if sand glows in the dark. Do you understand why that's not a, a good policy to have? I don't think they do. They don't. Um, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. You got any, yes. got any other thoughts about that? It, it, it's ridiculous in the political climate right now what they're willing to say. What fictional city, Joey, would you bomb if you had the choice? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Oh, there, but my what God. You? Good. I don't, you think need, about I, it. I don't. I need some time. You just have to think of the one, just any fictional city and just say it. That's, that's how the, that'll work. I can't think of any. Come on. Lord of the Rings. Nothing's. Oh, Mordor. Yeah. Okay. Joe. There you go. That's that was, all right, perfect. So Joey would bomb Mordor. Right, Shelby, you went to bombing that. You got any fictional uh, cities you'd like to bomb? Uh, Gotham. Gotham was... City. Wow. Oh. You know what? This kid's going to be on some kind of. NSA watch list at the end of this podcast. I hope not. Gotham, Gotham's code for New York City. Uh-oh. I'll call my friends over at the FBI and we'll see what we can yeah. do with this. All right. Uh, good answer, Shelby. Great uh, answer. <laughs> let's, uh, you ready to get into this Democratic debate stuff? Yeah. Again, we're trying to do, the, we're about 20 minutes into this thing. Um, you know, it's tight the, the, the next couple of weeks, this week and next week, because mm-hmm. obviously the holidays, there's a lot of people rushing in. We're closed Thursday, Friday this week. You know, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And we got in the conversation, Damian Lemon, Ali Mohammed of Lakamanio coming in at six o'clock to record. Uh, I love that podcast. And I love those guys. So I want to like wrap up and get out of here. Before I gotcha. I so just bear with us, Samson. It's okay. We love you. And we're doing the best we can here. 
ABC Democratic debate recap. Joey, tell the Samsonites, tell anybody, maybe this is their first episode that they're listening to, tell the nobodies, tell them what the deal is with this. So Chris does his best to stay in a bubble (laughs) where he doesn't get influenced by what other writers or politicians or talking heads have to say about the debate. Then he goes by himself into seclusion and watches the debate. Right. Now, if he had an outlet to everybody like Twitter or something, he would tweet it. But instead, he takes notes and saves them in his little lockbox for us <laughs> at the Mandatory Samson Podcast. That's exactly right. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you explaining that to everyone. Uh, yeah, this debate took place on Saturday. Today is, uh, what, Tuesday? Tuesday. Oh, yeah, we're recording Tuesday. It's very weird that we're recording on a Tuesday. But this took place over the weekend, the 19th on Saturday. And... There was a big, like, to-do before the debate started, and the first, like, 10 minutes of the debate was about it. Uh, I wrote in my notes this, and then I'll explain it. I skipped over the voter data breach stuff and Bernie suing the DNC over it. I think it's a campaign-specific thing, and I frankly don't think it matters in terms of real policy or anything, so we skip it. Now, Bernie Sanders sued the Democratic National uh, Committee because he lost access to certain voter voter uh, demographics demographics and information that the the party controls there's like a database apparently that they have like people's names and kind of what they do and where they're from and all that stuff so they can know kind of who to target and like where advertising should go whatever hillary's been using it apparently pretty heavily and Bernie Sanders fired a staffer because they got access to some of the information that Hillary had Mm -hmm. and they used it somehow. I think they just pretty much wrote down people's names. They didn't like do anything too crazy, but Hillary got pissed about it, told the DNC they restricted Bernie Sanders access to that information, uh, which then he claimed was really detrimental to his, you know, campaign. Of course it is. How is he going to run an effective campaign if he doesn't have that data? Yeah. Well, right. I mean, honestly, I don't really understand. Like, it's the first I've ever heard of something like this, so I'm sort of just playing catch up with it. But right, you, if he's saying it's valuable, it must be valuable to him. Uh, he ends up apologizing to Hillary at the beginning, being like his staffer shouldn't have done what they did with the information. Um, David Axelrod, who is Obama's campaign manager and like his right hand man through both campaigns, says that this is the DNC putting their finger on the scale on the side of uh, Hillary Clinton, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, the DNC gave Bernie back his information, you know, access, and um, he's still suing them, but I don't, I don't really know what's going to come of that. So we'll see what happens. Probably nothing. Probably nothing. So anyway, so th- I, that was just something that happened. I think it's pr- that's it. It's kind of a dead issue, and we don't really have to worry about it. Uh, did you watch the debate, Joey? No, I did not. I, like most people, were trying to enjoy the last weekend before Christmas with my friends. Okay. Which, <laughs> the, the point I'm saying that is this debate should have not been on a Saturday. Yeah. Well, it's not going to entice the most viewership possible. Yeah, it's dumb. Although, I'll tell you this, I like it being on a Saturday because it gave me time to actually watch it and, you know, get the information. Okay. Uh, so it was good for me, but right. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, why not do it on a Thursday night or do it on a Monday night? You know, mm-hmm. piggyback them, do an hour of the democratic one hour of the Republican one. Oh, ratings would go crazy. It'd be a fucking bonanza. Right. And then have Martin O'Malley, uh, introduce the Republican. Oh my God. It'd just be amazing. Have them all be in the same venue, have them in the crowd, the Republicans cut to them like Ted Cruz smirking at Trump. Be like, they're retarded. They're dumb. I don't think it would be a good idea to get everybody in one room. I agree. You ready to get going with this? Yes. 
Hillary says she wants to, quote, deprive ISIS of their territory as part of her plan to combat them. Sounds a lot like being involved militarily for a long period of time. It's very similar to Bush and Rubio and people on the right, which we talked about last week, create safe zones, etc. When she says stuff like deprive ISIS of their territory, how are you going to do that? If you're not just going to carpet bomb like Ted Cruz is talking about, that that involves having special ops people there, troops on the ground, money involved, a big investment. That's vague to me, and I, I don't like that she's saying that. And again, this is somebody that is going to be the president, right? I mean, uh, barring something crazy, I think she's going to end up being the president. Uh, Another extended discussion about gun control. O'Malley goes hard after Clinton and Sanders. Uh, A lot of the same stuff we've heard in previous debates. Again, if Bernie is going to catch shit for not being 100% against guns, the Democratic Party has a problem. He's obviously for stricter gun control laws, but he recognizes the need for those to balance out with the amount of people who hunt, which we've talked about in past debates. Clearly, that makes sense. I don't have a problem with that. He's not some wishy-washy guy on guns. It's an unfair attack. It's an easy way for O'Malley and Clinton to... uh, you know, to, to, score to go points. after him. Yeah. I'm also, in, I'm in favor of allowing people to hunt fairly and with a reasonable weaponry. Obviously, I don't think people should be out there with like automatic weapons and stuff like Not that. Not at all. But, you know, yeah, hunting has its place, certainly. And if you're going to eat the meat and use it and, and be, you know, respectful to the animal, like a fair hunt, I think that's that's fine. I'm not I'm not one of these people that loves that they go out in Africa and kill elephants for, you know, the, the tusks. Game, yeah, yeah. The, those people should be shot in the skulls. This is a kind of straw man argument against Bernie Sanders, uh, but Hillary and O'Malley both score points against them in this every debate, and it works, which, again, is frustrating, but there's not much we're going to be able to do about that. Hillary came out swinging in this debate, Joey, much more aggressive against Sanders specifically. Hmm. Obviously, that's the right move. I think she also used the him suing the DNC and like the data breach as she never said anything. Like Bernie apologizes to her, yeah, and she never says like, thank you for your apology or whatever. She just goes, well, thank you. And, you know, kind of like pivoted it into like, yeah, okay. Like, don't, don't fuck with me. You know what I mean? She, yeah. she played it off in a way that was really interesting. If you watched it, you saw it. If you didn't, don't, don't really worry about it. Um, but she was much more aggressive and I think her confidence is growing. I will say this. Bernie had a really nice debate. That's great. Um, it is great. How much is it going to help? I don't know, but he was very, uh, animated. His personality came out a little bit more. I think he's getting more comfortable, you know, kind of in the spotlight and we'll see. We still got a little bit of time before votes are cast. I, yeah, but we don't have another debate and the amount of debates has always been an issue. There's not another debate before the, the vote. I don't believe so. Google it. Go just type in democratic debates. I think, I think it should come up. Okay. Um, where are we? We're about a half hour into this thing. Uh, I'm going to pause for a second in case there's going to be some kind of ad there, and then we're going to uh, play the first clip of this recap. So hold on one second. All right. Uh, I don't know if there was a promo there, but we'll see what happens. If there isn't, don't worry about it. Uh, Bernie is asked about profiling re San Bernardino shooter's neighbor. What? Good. Nothing. Did you find it? No, Shelby, can you do me a favor? Could it. you just look up the Democratic debate schedule so Joe can pay attention? Sorry, Joe. Um, okay. Bernie is asked about profiling Reed, the San Bernardino shooter's neighbor. He pivots into an attack on Trump and the 1%. Pretty nicely done. Also, ABC's anecdotal information and fear-based questions were aggravating throughout this thing. Haven't cared for their premises so far. So let's keep our eyes out for that uh, as we play the first clip. This is about 29 minutes into the thing, and... Uh, 
we'll see how it goes. Shelby, just make sure. Oh, God, you got, got the answer? January 17th. January 17th. So there yes. you go. So there is one more before the, uh, before the, the vote. And then there's another one February 11th. That's so after, I think. That would be or after. May, no, that might be a couple of days right before the vote. I'm not sure when the vote is, but it doesn't matter. But I think there's maybe one or two before the next uh, vote, which is interesting. All right, shall we just make sure the uh, computer audio is coming through? And here we go. First clip. Senator Sanders, I did want to ask you about a neighbor in San Bernardino who reportedly witnessed packages being delivered to that couple's home, that it set off red flags, but they didn't report it because they were afraid to profile. What would you say to Americans? Yeah, well, God, you're making a face. The packages are packages. The, does that automatically mean somebody's doing something wrong? Uh, right. That's that's that exactly. But that's what I'm talking about. That's sort of like the false um, thing that, that because like I'm a newsman, I have my hair, you know, cropped tightly. And it's combed, and I, I say it officially. And you know, they were afraid of profiling. One dummy that lives across the street sees a UPS guy show up at Muslim people's houses, and he's like, "Well, I better not say anything because uh, it's profiling." Say something if you think it's a problem. That's yeah. fine. But also, that's completely unreasonable to think that, like, that, that made any kind of difference. Why would, why would he – like, it, it's dumb on both sides. Obviously, if you think it's a problem, say something about it. But if you think it's a problem and you're, like, afraid to profile, then you don't think it's that much of a problem, right? Correct. Okay. Well, let's continue with this. Uh, I like what Bernie does with this question. He's afraid to profile. Is it ever acceptable? Well, um <laughs> – is it ever acceptable? Yeah, sometimes it is, sure. Like, you don't want to cause a, a, fee, a climate of just attacking people because they look a certain way or whatever. But Ber- Bernie answers it correctly, and all right, let's just keep going. Also, tell me the crowd's reaction. Are they booing or, or cheering? I can't tell. The answer is, obviously, if you see suspicious activity, you report it. That's the kind of a no-brainer. You know, if somebody is loading guns and ammunition into a house, I think it's a good idea to call 911. Do it. But I'm asking but, about... No, I'm no, asking no, no. about well, what is that crowd reaction there? Are they laughing? Well, what do you think, Shelby? Were they, uh, were they cheering or booing that? It's just like, uh, like all talking to each other. Like, oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, right. It's an odd reaction from the crowd. Right. Well, I don't know why that, that would be a... Uh, like what? What's controversial about saying that? Like, if you see somebody loading guns and ammunition into their house, maybe you, you say something about that. That seems uh, that seems fairly reasonable. Yeah, it does. Okay, let's uh, let's let Bernie Sanders continue with what he's uh, talking about here. About profiling, I want to talk about something else because Secretary Clinton, I think, made some interesting and good points. What you have now is a very dangerous moment in American history. Secretary is right. Our people are fearful. They are anxious on a number of levels. They are anxious about international terrorism and the possibility of another attack in America. We all understand that. But you know what else they're anxious about? They're anxious about the fact that they are working incredibly long hours. They're worried about their kids, and they're seeing all the new income and wealth, virtually all of it, going to the top 1%. And they're looking around them, and they're looking at Washington, and they're saying the rich are getting much richer, I'm getting poorer. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do for my kids? And somebody like a Trump comes along. It says, I know the answers. The answer is that all of the Mexicans, they're criminals and rapists. We got to hate the Mexicans. Those are your enemies. We hate all the Muslims because all of the Muslims are terrorists. We got to hate the Muslims. Meanwhile, the rich get richer. So what I say to those people who go to Donald Trump's rallies, understand, he thinks a low minimum wage in America is a good idea. He thinks low wages are a good idea. I believe we stand together 
to address the real issues facing this country, not allow them to divide us by race or where we come from. Let's create an America that works for all of us, not the handful on top. Senator, thank you. Nicely done. Nice pivot. Bernie Sanders is constantly saying the right to me. Again, it yes. appeals to me. He's constantly saying the right things. Now, later as we get into it, there's certain things that he says about, uh, I think I have it, about like taxes and how he'd pay for certain things. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't have exact numbers because I'm not actually there and we have to account for cutting certain other things that would, you know, equal more money on one side of the equation as a, you know, so it's like a little vague. And of course that's always going to be the attack on him that he's this yes. tax and spend liberal, you know, and he's actually a socialist and all that stuff. But as far as this is concerned, as far as like hammering the, the real issue, he's constantly correct in that money corrupts a democracy. And without, you know, with this extraordinary amount of money in politics, we're not actually going to have a true democracy. It's it's an important thing to do. And and also, it's such a stupid question that they're going to ask them, is profiling ever okay? Yes. But what are you asking them? Like, like, he has anything to do with it. Get a, have, you know, the police, have the FBI there. Interview them. Do do the homework before that. Well, what difference does it make whether he says yes or no? They want to look credible. Well, they're, they're grasping at straws a lot. I, I really didn't like the way that the ABC people uh, handled this. Meanwhile... This drove me crazy. That Ooh. that goofball O'Malley keeps trying to butt in. He's acting like he has a chance to win and that he has something different to say from past debates or that he has much difference ideologically than Sanders or Clinton. He doesn't. He has nothing else to say. He he just keep, like when they'll ask Bernie a question, mm-hmm. Hillary will try to jump in. And obviously you want to see the two front runners who are legitimately going to p- win this thing. It's between the two of them. And you have Sanders going, oh, excuse me. And then he just starts taught just saying his process. <laughs> You know, going through his yeah. answer, and they're like, uh, Martin, uh, Governor O'Malley, well, we'll get to you in a second. He's like, Yeah, but I have to. Be. It's like, <laughs> stop, stop interrupting. It's like when Kasich was doing it a couple of weeks ago on the, on the oh, Republican side. Oh, he just side. wouldn't stop. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're at 3%. O'Malley's at 3%. There's three of them, and he's at 3%. Oh. Do you really think it ma- Does it really matter? You've had four debates or whatever. No, he's just got to wait his turn and make sure when he gets the opportunity. To use it correctly. Exactly. And he doesn't. It gets to him and he gives these like long drive. You got to hit it hard, man. Yeah. 31 minutes into this thing, Hillary is asked about encryption in terms of the Paris attacks as, quote, new, a new terrorist tool. This, again, is a false premise. We know the Paris attackers weren't using encryption. We have texts that they sent totally unencrypted. And this is the media being complicit in a mass surveillance state. And it's frustrating. Now, I wrote, the, wrote that before... I read about the uh, the cybersecurity attack. So, oh. I mean, that shit goes hand in hand, clearly. They're complicit because yes. they go, uh, they're as see, because they ask questions. So they're, they're not giving you the answer. They're not really creating the narrative. But by asking the question, they have to respond to it. And that in and of itself creates the narrative. Yes. So then they can just keep going. Well, we asked Senator Clinton, uh, you know, Secretary of State Clinton during the debate, and then they can talk about that for three weeks. Uh, let's see. This is also a very telling response from Hillary, who, like I always say, is a moderate and part of the government establishment. So let's listen to this. Listen to the question. And then uh, let's check out what Hillary Clinton has to say about it. Because in all likelihood, Joe, she's going to be the nominee. Yes. Thank you very much. Share that. You'll be happy. Here, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back a second. This is that. This is Duncey O'Malley trying to get involved. Okay. 
Governor Malley. No, not yet, Governor Malley. I'll come to you when we call on you. Thank you very much. Share that. You'll be happy. I'll let I'll let you talk then. Because you lose all credibility when you keep on doing that. Can I share a short story? No, no, not at the moment. No, Canterbury Tales. Why don't you shut your mouth and we'll get back to you in a little bit. All right, this is the Hillary Clinton answer. Jerry Clinton, I want to talk about a new terrorist tool used in the Paris attacks, encryption. FBI director... Okay, wait, all right. I, I know I kind of just said it, but the way she phrases it is so much more... A new tool that they use... Like, terrorists have never used encrypted. First of all, no. they didn't use it, for the most part, in the terrorist attacks. We know that. You, yes. you talked about it. We know they didn't. The Intercept, you can go read about it. They didn't. But... They have before. It's not a new tool. It's always been something. But again, false premise. And it leads to Congress being like, whatever, Cybersecurity Act, fine, let's just pass it. Let's do it. I'm going to Aruba. Fuck it. Let's just pass this thing. I don't care if they have Joey's information. No, no, no. The more important thing is the government doesn't shut down. And then you can file through any act that you want. Well, that is the thing. It is important that the government doesn't shut down. Yeah. But it's also important that the people that run the government read the goddamn bills that they're passing or don't pass them. Don't, Don't gang them all up. That's the bigger issue. I mean, there there needs to be some kind of uh, legislation or rules about that, being able to just pass yeah, anything gang stuff up. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. All right, here we go. James Comey says terrorists can hold secret communications which law enforcement cannot get to even with a court order. You've talked oh, a lot please. about bringing I mean, really, the- yeah, yeah. The FBI is, is taking special care not to, uh, we don't want to cross any, you know, boundaries. Like, Come on, man. We know that they have that tool. We know that they're able to do that. And they do do that. Yes. Government officials Who's together, stop but them? Apple CEO Tim Cook said removing encryption tools from our products altogether would only hurt law-abiding citizens who rely on us to protect their data. So, so Tim Cook, obviously, mm-hmm. who runs Apple, is saying there's pressure definitely on them to just remove encryption technology from all their software, which would mean that it's just, there's a backdoor. It's just open for the NSA to go in or potentially anyone else, cyber criminals or whatever you want to call them. Um, anything that's a bad idea. Clearly everybody would think that's a bad idea. Yes. The consumers, but if they came out tomorrow, Apple 90% of the people, 95% of the people We'll continue to buy Apple products. So if that's something that happens down the road, it's not going to be a deal breaker. I think there's going to be a very small fraction of people that would even uh, consider that to be a problem. Again, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not doing anything. I have nothing Uh, to hide. Okay. Would you force him to give law enforcement a key to encrypted technology by making it law? I would not want to go uh, to that point. I would hope that given the extraordinary capacities that the tech community has and the legitimate needs and questions from law enforcement, uh, that there could be a Manhattan-like project, something that would bring the government and the tech communities together to see they're not adversaries. They've got to be partners. It doesn't do anybody any good if terrorists can move toward encrypted communication that no law enforcement agency can break into before or after there must be some way i don't know enough about the technology yeah we need to get the navajo or whatever like the code breakers from world war ii <laughs> like they figured it out right i mean there's always yeah. going to be shit like this you can you can do it let's stop pretending like the terrorists have some kind of like re- realistically do the terrorists they're not going to have any and quote, I, you know i'm saying the terrorists but like yeah. some kind of terrorist minded person they're going to have better technology than the nsa is that right i doubt it okay Martha to be able to say what it is, but I have a lot of confidence in our tech 
experts and maybe the back door is the wrong door and i which is why bill cheated on her no <laughs> uh, oh anal reference sorry i apologize to everyone listening mom understand what uh, <laughs> apple and others are saying about that but i also understand when a law enforcement official charged with the responsibility of preventing attacks and here we go. to go back to our early questions how do we prevent attacks maybe you well, don't if we can't know what someone is planning we are going to have to rely on the neighbor or you know the member of the mosque or the teacher somebody to see something i just think there's got to be a way and i would hope that our tech companies would work with government to figure that out otherwise Law enforcement is blind. Blind before, blind during, and unfortunately, in many instances, blind after. So we always have to balance liberty and security, privacy and safety. But I know that law enforcement needs the tools to keep us safe. And that's what I hope there can be some understanding and cooperation to achieve. Now, go, God. Having a back door for anyone to access at any moment is not good either. No, of of course not. Because if you have it for quote the good side you have it for the bad side of course it's, it's just there for everybody and then people manipulate that as well uh, absolutely right do you do you know uh, right i mean there's there's so many uh, different things that can be done with like you know access to information obviously that's the prized thing for you know marketing and all that stuff like there's there's people even just annoyances things that where they're going to target ads at you and different stuff like that, mm-hmm. that that's the they want your information because the more they know about you the easier it is to sell you uh you know whatever a pinball machine or whatever the fuck they're trying Ooh. to sell you. see there you go joey's pinball a, machine joey's like pinball machine where well, i love it uh the other thing about this a lot of what hillary says sounds like stuff that the republicans are saying not, maybe not in the lead up to it, maybe not in the way that she wants to do it, but she uses the same. We need our fight, you know, our uh, law enforcement to have the the right tools. And I don't know. Maybe it's a balance. Maybe it's this and that. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a balance? though? that's the thing. At the end of the day, if Congress, the people that are going to write the bills that she's going to have to sign as president of the United States, if they're not paying attention to it, you think she's sitting down and reading every single bill? They'll go, look, this is the best that could get to your desk. So we got to sign this thing. Here's a question for you. Sure, Joey. If everyone's up in arms about her and emails, what gives them the, the thought that should be able to understand cybersecurity to begin with? Wow, terrific, terrific uh, Republican attack point. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think that's obviously, you know why that's a bullshit question. Yes. But that's a question that is going to come up for sure. She's going to have a hard time with this, which makes it even more likely that she's going to be hawkish. Right, if they go, well, this bitch doesn't know what she's talking about. Look at her email. She can't even yeah. protect her email. She'll go, I'm fucking not. Yeah. We're going to make she sure probably, it doesn't happen again. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I've learned from my mistakes. Uh, okay, right. Great, great point, Joey. ABC moderators were awful. I hated their phrasing and everything. They were really annoying. 44 minutes into this thing, Hillary discusses her plan on Syria, including special ops forces and no-fly zones, and, quote, building back up the Iraqi army. Again, who does this sound like? It sounds a lot like the vague GOP plans, and that's scary because she's the nominee in all likelihood. 44 minutes in. Let me just get to the spot. Hold on. Here we go. Secretary Clinton, I want to follow up on that. You do support sending special operations forces there. You support what the And they're already there. They're already in Syria. We know that they're there, and we know that they're probably in Iraq also, based on some of that stuff that we read a few weeks ago. The president has done already. One of the lessons people draw from Vietnam and war since is that a little force can turn into a little more, 
and a little more. President Obama certainly didn't expect to be sending 30,000 additional troops into Afghanistan the first year of his presidency. Are you prepared to run the risk of a bigger war to achieve your goals to destroy ISIS, or are you prepared to give up on those goals if it requires a larger force? Now, before she gets into that, even the, even, excuse me, the fact that all of the, the Democratic nominees, including Sanders, but to a lesser extent, have stated that they want to destroy ISIS. That's, there is not one person that could potentially be the president of the United States mm-hmm. and will be one of these people will be the president that is on the side of maybe Rand Paul uh, maybe but maybe not that's even a stretch at that it's a stretch not one of them is a peace president like Jimmy Carter who catches a lot of shit oh he's a terrible president never fired a shot during his presidency that's good we want a guy that's like no well, let's not use our military uh, you know willy nilly Let's pick when we want to get it, it really, really use war as a last resort. Not one of these people is into that. They're, it sounds good to say destroy ISIS. So that's what they're all going with. And it also shows how there's a crossover between the two parties. Again, Bernie a little bit, not so much. Rand Paul, not so much. But, but they're the outliers in the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also going to give you an example of how there's a little crossover. You, you don't think that... Clinton staffers are watching the, dem- the Republican debate, hearing what they say, being like, how can we try Going to like, the high filter off some of like the moderates in that part? You know, yeah. they're trying to figure stuff out. So let's let Hillary continue here. But just always keep that in mind when you hear them talking. What sounds similar? Because again, bipartisanship, when, you, when they actually get into power and they all agree, that's one party rule. Yes. And that's not a democracy. I just think you're asking a question with a false choice. I believe if we lead an air coalition, which we are now in the position of doing and intensify it, if we continue to build back up the Iraqi army, which has had some recent success in Ramadi, as you yeah, know, that won't cost a trillion dollars. If we dollars, get back sure. talking to the like, because tro- we spent a hundred billion or whatever the hell it was for to train five Syrian fighters, yeah, we'll yeah, just build back up the, the Iraqi army. Sure, most of the old Republican guard, the Saddam's people. They left and joined ISIS, or they or they 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 formed their they own got the hell out militia of groups. Well, but they're not they're not there anymore. You'd have to train. It's just absurd that 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 sentence again. It's five words, but it ends up being you know twenty years and a trillion dollars. That that's the problem with a lot of this stuff. Bible shakes in Anbar to try to rebuild those relationships, which were very successful uh-huh. in going after Al Qaeda in Iraq. If we get the Turks to pay more attention to ISIS than they're paying to the Kurds, if we do yeah, put yeah. together the kind we'll just of end cult- we'll just end religious and sectarian uh, you know forces that have been at hand for over two thousand years. Yeah, civil wars yeah. essentially that have been it's going okay. on for decades. Yeah, but what if we just do that we're gonna be fine yeah if we just do that it's never happened but okay we'll just do that coalition with the specific tasks that i am outlining mm-hmm. i think we can be successful in destroying isis so that's what i'm focused on that's what i've outlined and that's what i would do as president okay i i think we have to come up with a new term than destroying isis like what what, what would you like to what would you like to do to isis joey i would say removing the threat Okay. Minimizing the threat. threat. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing because again, see, see, because here's the way I look at it. Sure. So we're going to go destroy ISIS. But if you're destroying ISIS, those people have relatives, those people Mm -hmm. who have friends, loved ones. They're going to go, oh, they killed them. So now let's go do what they were doing. So now you just made even more followers. Yep. 
to hold up the flag to cause more destruction because you had to destroy their loved ones. Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, a phenomenal point. You're absolutely right. We always talk about it with Guantanamo Bay and different stuff that we've done. That spawn, it's propaganda. It spawns more people. And right, if the same way if my dad owned a, you know, a, a, a lumber yard or something, I may take over the family business. And if the family business is running a division of ISIS or something, you're probably going to jump in his place. We talked about it with the kids that they watch the propaganda videos and they wear the jihadi John outfit. Well, uh, yeah, of course. If you killed my father, now you have an even more reason to be like, fuck the Americans. They're, you know, absolutely. And on top of that, forget even the fact collateral damage. That's the other big thing. People that aren't involved in the fight that just want to like live a normal life, they get affected by it. Now, maybe they're more likely to jump in, you know, get in, fight American troops, all all this stuff. What you're right to do is show other people why... Why they should be afraid of ISIS, as she's saying, mm-hmm. and have them work with the coalition to remove the threat. Yes, and and maybe yeah. not say destroy them, <laughs> or maybe contain them. Right. Well, I mean, look, I think there's an, a sentiment. I think there's an appetite for people in Syria and Iraq that that fucking do hate ISIS. Of course, ISIS isn't a good thing, but we they are. That's the devil they know. You know what I mean? It's better than us coming in with our guns blazing and indiscriminately murdering people and we're handing out guns to different factions and you know we're paying off tribal shakes and all this shit yeah that never helps what are you talking about it it just doesn't make any sense uh great point they're giving o'malley way goddamn more time than he deserves obviously i skipped a lot of what o'malley had to say he's not saying anything different and believe me i'm listening to what he's saying it's all the same shit that he's always said and it's not much different than anything these two are saying uh, he's at 3%. He's not a factor. And he's not offering anything dramatically different than the two front runners. Enough with this guy. He's also, uh, I feel bad for him, but it's annoying the way he talks. He's just annoying. Okay. Hillary says she wants to create, and listen to this. This is exactly what we're talking about. It's the same shit that you hear on the Republican side. And it's, and Bernie Sanders is dramatically different. We're focusing a little bit more on Hillary here because she's the front runner. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is important to focus on. Hillary says she wants to create refuges for refugees within Syria. Sound familiar, Jeb? Yeah. We, we need to create a safe zone. We need to create refuges. She's biting the foreign policy of the, of the Republicans. Yes. Great. That's terrific. The, the front, yes, the liberal, the tree hugger, the lefty. Yeah. Wants to create a safe zone for the refugees. Right. Yeah. That's not a crazy idea. Hillary kind of steals an arsonist line from Ted Cruz in the last debate. Now, again, this is why I'm doing this because it's like the last three, four things she said, all right out of the Republican uh, debate, pretty much. Ted Cruz says, and you know, there was one commentator that put it this way, that for Marco to suggest our records the same is like suggesting the fireman and the arsonist have the same record because they're both at the scene of the fire. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a cute line. It's, it's pre-written. Listen to what Hillary Clinton is about to say. It's not the same line, but like arsonist really that's what you're gonna do hillary (laughs) the same time and let me just say a word about coalition building because i've heard senator sanders say this i know how hard it is to build coalitions i think it would be a grave mistake to ask for any more iranian troops inside syria that is like asking the arsonist to come and pour more gas on the fire well what the fuck really she just came up with that on her own without nobody listened to ted cruz say it no, they're, they're using keywords that pull well, and we're just going to regurgitate it. Well, apparently, yeah, arsonist, I guess, pulls <laughs> well. Uh, all right. 
Long debate about whether we should be going after ISIS or Assad first. Strange premise for the moderator suggest, to suggest deposing a head of state because we don't want him there. But okay, they're like, should we take out ISIS or take out Assad? Well, you know that Assad is like the leader of Syria, so you can't really just take him out just because we want to. And you don't have to declare d- war. Or you don't have to do something, right? Yes, and then even if you do take him out, then it creates a power vacuum, and you're back to the same goddamn yeah thing regime again. change. That's what we're always dealing with, and that's that's always the idea of like, well, we don't like this guy. We better get rid of him. You can't do that. What's the plan after the fact? All right, fifty eight minutes in, Sanders on how to go after ISIS and American leadership. Oh. <laughs> The way I wrote that sounds like we're going to go after American leadership. He's saying Sanders on how to go after ISIS and the idea of, and he expands on the, uh, the idea of American leadership. He says we need to focus on ISIS and quote, get rid of Assad later. Strange that our leaders are publicly saying that they'll remove Assad from power. Eventually, obviously Putin wouldn't be into that move. And it's strange that Sanders, a guy who's in probably almost every case uh, against regime change would say something like that. So let's hear Bernie Sanders talk about this. And if there's any uh, you know comment that we need to need to make, we certainly will do that. Hold on one sec. I'm sorry, guys. Oh my god, I'm freaking out. Senator Saunders, a last Trust word on this. The United States must lead, but the United States is not the policeman of the world. The United States must not be involved in perpetual warfare in the Middle East. The United States, at the same time, cannot successfully fight Assad and ISIS. ISIS now is the major priority. Let's get rid of Assad later. Let's have a democratic Syria. But the first task is to bring countries together to destroy ISIS. Senator Sanders. Again, the socialist, the super progressive liberal is still saying destroy ISIS Mm -hmm. and we'll take care of Assad later. We'll get a democratic Syria. Saying we'll get a democratic Syria is like being like, well, we're going to use the blood of unicorns to power a rocket that'll get us to Uranus. Like, it's not going to happen. What do you mean? Like, what, do you think that if that was easy, that wouldn't be the case right now if that was possible? Why wouldn't we already be working on that? You know what I mean? Like, yes. it's just not that simple. And it's frustrating even that this guy who, of everybody I would support, is, is saying the exact that. same thing. Yeah, it's, it's a, we're, we, again, we're a center-right country, and even the socialist, as far as military, has to come out and say at least tough talk things like that to a certain extent. All right. About an hour and seven. It's all you think this is relevant stuff to be pointing out, right? Yes, it, it's absolutely. being able to read the read the, the read media, between read the, the lines. Yeah, read between the lines. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, an hour and seven minutes in, Hillary gets a nice laugh line. It's obviously scripted somehow. Did the candidates get all the questions pre-debate? That's my question. You I wouldn't be me. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. At least their campaigns did. Sanders has asked the same question. He takes it in a totally different direction. One that I prefer. But I doubt it's where the base of the Democratic Party is, which is sad, meaning the way that Hillary answers it is probably the way that it's going to play bigger in the Democratic Party. Whereas Bernie Sanders, if we truly were this liberal party, what he was saying would be like red meat to them. But we'll we'll see what happens. All right. So this is like a little bit of a longer interchange. This is like a three-minute clip. Okay. This is our our longest clip. And then we just have, uh, I guess, just one more after that. Okay. So let's, let's go through it. The last time you ran for president, Fortune magazine put you on its cover with the headline, Business Loves Hillary, pointing out your support from many CEOs in corporate America. I'm curious, eight years later, should corporate America love Hillary Clinton? Everybody should. Stock answer. <laughs> well, it's a good answer. It gets a nice applause. Yes. But the way that her face, she says it and then like smiles like that's scripted. And yes. I don't know how they scripted it. How do they know that question was coming? Right. I know. 
Do you know? They sent it. They totally sent it to the campaign. You think they emailed it? Oh, Chris uh, Christie. I don't know. They should have how encrypted, though. Yeah, they should have encrypted those questions. You're right. I, I have said I want to be the president for the struggling, the striving, and the successful. And you said that off the cuff, too. That's what's amazing. She said, I want to be the president for the struggling, the striving, and the successful. Nobody wrote that for her. That's triple S's, bro. That's right. The SSS, unlike the SS, which you probably wouldn't want to be involved in that. That's not going to be good for your campaign. I want to make sure the wealthy pay their fair share, which they have not been doing. I want the Buffett rule to be in effect, where millionaires have to pay 30% tax rates instead of 10% to nothing in some cases. I want to make sure we rein in the excessive use of political power to feather the nest and support uh, the super wealthy. But I also want to create jobs, and I want to be uh, a partner with the private sector. She always says She always does that. But, I mean, look. I got to create jobs. I want to sound liberal, but remember, I'm a moderate. Mm-hmm. really keen on creating jobs in small business. My dad was a small businessman, a really small business. A bartender. I want to yeah. do more to help incentivize and create more small businesses. So if... If people who are in the private sector know what I stand for, it's what I fought for as a senator, it's what I will do as president, and they want to be part of, once again, building our economy so it works for everybody, more power to them because they are the kind of business leaders who understand that if we don't get the American economy moving and growing, we're not going to recognize our country and we're not going to give our kids the same opportunities that we had. Secretary, thank you. Senator Sanders, I want to stay on this and ask you how big a role does corporate America play in a healthy economy and will corporate America love a President Sanders? No, I think they won't. (laughs) <laughs> that's even a better answer that's the best answer right no they're not gonna like me and you know what uh, they don't have to like you because the one thing that they're gonna be focused on corporate america is money yes they don't have to love bernie Sanders. it doesn't matter no because i don't think they love obama even though obama probably does a lot more for them than you know people would let on so hillary and i have a difference the ceos of large multinationals may like hillary they ain't going to like me, and Wall Street is going to like me even less. Good for you. I like, see, like, the that's your play. For that is we've got to deal with the elephant in the room, which is the greed, recklessness, and illegal behavior on Wall Street. When you have six financial institutions in this country that issue two-thirds of the credit cards and one-third of the mortgages, when three out of four of them are larger today than when we bail them out because they are too big to fail. We have got to reestablish Glass-Steagall. We have got to break the large financial institutions up. So I don't think... That's not playing loud enough at all. Nope. (laughs) And that's frustrating. I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of campaign contributions from Wall Street. I don't have a super PAC. I don't want campaign contributions from corporate America. And let me be clear. While there are some great corporations creating jobs and trying to do the right thing, in my view, and I say this very seriously, the greed of the billionaire class, the greed of Wall Street is destroying this economy and is destroying the lives of millions of Americans. We need an economy that works for the middle class, not just a handful of billionaires, and I will fight and lead to make that happen. Senator, thank you. I want to take this question to Governor O'Malley. Meanwhile, and then that fucking bumbling dummy, O'Malley, just just mumbles his way through the applause. Like, 
Yeah. God, he's frustrating. Now, agree with Bernie Sanders, don't agree with him. Does that, is that, is he saying what he means? Yes. Okay. Sanders showed his personality, personality a lot more in this debate. Likeable, I think. I think he comes across as likable. Even though he's like a yelly, like kind of curmudgeon, I think it's fun because he comes across like, he seems like a nice guy. It seems like he's being honest about Do you know what, what else about. he comes across as? What, Joe? Trustable. Trustworthy, sure. Trustworthy. Yeah. Something that Hillary seems to have a hard time doing. Right, again, Hillary's biggest hurdle is coming across human. Yes. That's the problem. She's a very intelligent person. She's a very rich person. She's not one of the people. She's just not. You can pretend, you know, she tries to act like that with her, uh, you know, chillery uh, beer coast, you know, koozies, but Mm -hmm. that's not the reality. Bernie Sanders... That's the type of guy that you could just probably run into him and be like, hey, Bernie, what, what do you how think you about doing? that? Yeah, and he'd be like, hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, substantive argument about health care and health insurance, single payer versus private public. Uh, the clip would be 10 minutes long, so I, I, we can't really yeah. play it. But, you know, if you go back and you find the debate, you can watch it. Sanders says, quote, now this is getting to be fun. He's a nut. Please vote for him. Sanders was very forceful here. He looked strong during that debate, but that's a, you know, during that part of the debate, that's a much longer clip and we can't really get into it. Um, I'm going to choose to skip this part. They talked about the heroin epidemic. Okay. Um, I'm not going to show the clip, but they talk discussion about police violence and the relationship between minority groups and the cops, uh, as well as the criminal justice system. A lot of what we've heard before. So it's not, not a ton of new stuff. We kind of know where these candidates stand on this. They're all light years ahead of the GOP field on fixing, you know, issues of racial disparity and, and things like that. Sanders says, uh, his plan takes marijuana out of the controlled substance act, uh, and gets hmm. low to medium applause about that, which is fucking, aggravating uh he wants to end minimal sentencing which is good all of this stuff was in the uh the black lives matter suggestions which is important i think that he's taking uh taking that stuff into into uh consideration Mm -hmm. by the way where where is black lives matter i feel like we haven't heard a ton about them why aren't they why aren't they at republican debates why aren't they at republican rallies go there that's a that's a very valid question yeah don't interrupt bernie sanders um campaign events you had an interview oh, they won't get in Clinton. the doors that's why they're not there well go that's that's where you need to be protesting that they're taking it to heart bernie sanders is taking their their advice and their 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 leadership on this well the furthest you're going to get is in front of the front door Fine. and maybe that's film enough. that maybe that's what's important donald trump blocked the black lives matter protest from entering his event why right go there yeah. you have to create the problem if you want somebody to try to deal with it uh the heroin thing, they talk about there's a heroin e- epidemic in New Hampshire where they are. And obviously, you know, we've talked about it before on the show that that hits close to home with me and Joey. They throw to Hillary who talks about the epidemic. She does mention that the police should have naloxone, which is the overdose antidote, which yes. is something that, is some, you know, which is an important thing to have on hand. And, and I agree with that. So we'll put that out there. This is uh, how we're going to wrap it up. Hillary is asked repeatedly. How much responsibility she bears for the chaos in Libya right now? She says we offered more help other than troops on the ground uh, that the L- Libyans were were not willing to take. Which, whether that's true sounds or not. Sounds odd. It sounds they wouldn't odd. accept it. <laughs> right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, she didn't want to put troops on the ground. So maybe that's what they were asking for and they didn't want to do that. But mm-hmm. whatever, that's stuff that I think that's going to come up more and more you know, later, maybe when it's republican democrat debates this is the last little note i have here and then we can wrap up the show hillary has asked about the role of the first lady which has typically been picking flowers and china patterns and like <laughs> entertaining and stuff and whether it's time to change that role not important 
I mean, whatever. It's important to a certain extent, but it's a symbolic position. However, she alludes to the fact that Bill would be involved from time to time for, quote, special missions and helping to get the economy going, which he, quote, knows something about. So <laughs> clever. Th- clever. It's interesting that she's that they ask her that and then she uses it, obviously, to her advantage. She never lets anything go to waste, Hillary. That, no. That's what's good. They ask her first lady she goes well bill's gonna be here by the way so if you don't first trust me right? yes the first the first man is gonna be uh around thoughts on the debate joey sanders looks strong sanders did look strong to me again i first vote is gonna be key we'll yes. see what happens if, if, if it holds the same way the polls look then fine then he has no chance of winning and and probably it behooves him to get out quicker say he loses the first two you know primaries by a pretty good margin let Hillary Hillary should just win this thing. You yes. know what I mean? Uh, we'll see what happens. I think you should just drag it out as long as you can. <laughs> just fight her tooth and nail. Fight her tooth and nail. Take take each donation that we gave them. Right. And use it to the best of their ability. By we, you mean the American people. Small not, donations. Not specifically me and you because no. we're not endorsing a candidate. And I, didn't, I didn't donate to anybody. But Correct. Uh, okay. Very good. You like the episode? I love the episode. All right, great. Uh, listen, everybody, I hope uh, you guys enjoyed it as well. We, we love doing the show, and we really appreciate all your support. You can go to soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. You can also go to, you know, you can go there. You can listen to all the old episodes, uh, follow us, subscribe, whatever it is. Leave a comment on the track. We always respond to them. You can also check out the full episode videos um and watch the show stream live typically every thursday at 4 p.m occasionally it'll be a different day but for the most part it's thursdays at 4 p.m you can watch the show live stream youtube.com slash mandatory samson subscribe on there you can leave a comment there as well email us mandatory samson at gmail.com again if we get a bunch of good emails going into next week um we'll kind of prioritize that and we'll read some emails but otherwise we'll figure it out joey you're gonna have the year in review which is gonna be nice yes uh and i'm looking forward to that nice <laughs> Twitter, I'm at Mansamp. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled J-E-R-Z-E-Y. Snapchat, same thing. Uh, and you guys can check out comedyvoices.com. Uh, you can listen to Ranting and Raving or In the Conversation or whatever the program uh, that you might find on there that's under this uh, you know, new partnership that we have working. So go to comedyvoices.com. That'd be great. Uh, Joey, got anything else to say? I hope. Everyone had a lovely Christmas listening to this episode. Right. Uh, Shelby, thank you, sir, for your production skills. We really appreciate it. And Samsonites, we will talk to you all on the first of the year. Yeah!